Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Squiggly Careers podcast. I'm Helen. I'm one half of the normal Squiggly Careers podcast team. The other half, Sarah, is on holiday. She's abandoned me. And so I've decided to replace her, temporarily at least, with five brilliant guests. So we've dedicated this week to the topic of setting yourself up for success. And we've invited five people onto the podcast who are all talking through a skill that they've got a particular amount of experience and expertise in to share with us how we can build those skills. So, so far, we have had Marcus Buckingham on the topic of strengths. We've had Bianca Millen-Cole talking to us about how to build your personal brand. We have had Alex Pang, who's been talking to us about the power of rest and how you can fit it into your days, even when your days might seem very busy and demanding. And today, I'm going to be talking to Megan Wrights all about how you can speak truth to power and speak up at work with confidence. Megan is an executive coach, a researcher, and also an author, and all of her work is dedicated to exploring and finding ways to improve the ways in which we interact with each other in the workplace. And her research on speaking truth to power has been featured in four articles in Harvard Business Review. It's the subject of a TED Talk and also has informed the book, Speak Up, Say What Needs to Be Said and Hear What Needs to Be Heard. And in the conversation that you'll hear that Megan and I have today, we talk about conversational habits. And when I listen back, I thought about these as almost like talking traps, the things that stop you from speaking up, some of the habits that we fall into that mean that we aren't able to say what we really want to. And so we talk about some of those habits and how they hold us back. We also talk about a really practical way of assessing your speak up culture. Uh, I like that as a phrase and I really like the very simple exercise that Megan talks through there. And then Megan talks through the truth framework, which is actually one of the first things that I read about her and how I originally came across all the work around speak up. Um, And the truth framework really helps you to think through why you make the choices you do and whether or not you speak up, and also how you can change if you feel you want to. So if you ever feel at work there's things that you want to say that you don't feel comfortable being said uh, by you, then this is a really practical framework to think about unpicking that and think about where you can take action that might help you to speak up more confidently. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode. At the end, I'll just tell you again where you can find the TED Talk and the book if you want to get into Megan's work even more, and I'll leave it with you. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello, Megan. Hello, lovely to be with you. So let's start, first of all, with, I guess, the context for the book. Like, why did you need to write a book on speaking up? Why why is there an issue and why does it matter? Of all the things that you could write about, why this one? In terms of organisations, there's two big reasons why organisations are very interested in, in us speaking up a bit better. One is ethical conduct. So we've seen quite a few organisations on the front page of the newspaper recently for all the wrong reasons because something happened and people weren't able to speak up about it or if they did speak up it wasn't heard in the right way. There's a real need to make sure that people feel safe enough to speak up with problems and issues and make sure that those are heard. The second reason which has become even more important just with the current crisis that we find ourselves in is around innovation and ideas. So organizations are needing to be really agile, they're needing to innovate and switch and change quite quickly. Absolutely impossible, unless people feel able to speak up with ideas and they feel able to challenge the way things are done. But of course, that's sort of the organizational perspective. From an individual perspective, our choices about what we say each and every day are absolutely fundamental. You know, they taken together, they determine our career progression. Mm. They determine our relationships. They determine whether we feel like we're flourishing at work. They determine whether at the end of the day, we look back on it and we feel proud of what we've done or we don't. And to be honest, as you can probably hear in my voice, that side of the, in inverted commas, business case, the speaking up is the one that I'm probably most uh, interested in. I think it's a really interesting thing to do to look back on your career and go, when, when did I speak up and what was going on? And when did I feel like I couldn't speak up? Yeah, we, we form, I call them conversational habits that change according to our context. So we come to know patterns of what it's okay to speak up about in a certain situation and what it isn't what gets said and what doesn't get said. And perhaps even more interestingly in certain situations, who gets listened to and who doesn't. Mm -hmm. Different organisations, different teams, 
have different conversational habits. And unless those habits get disrupted, things like cultural change or, or development doesn't occur because both of those things require us to say different things and to be heard in different ways. So these conversational habits, we can probably point back to different teams and different organizations where there have been different habits that have had real consequences on us. And, you know, one of the things that determine those habits is how we construct power. There's a different types of power, isn't there? Is there like positional power, legitimate power? I, I know you'll probably know that I can't remember them all, but I guess it's it's those sorts of things create different perceptions, which then would influence. If I thought somebody had legitimate power because they were a senior manager and I was a junior, I don't know, executive or whatever, I would start to put a perception on their power that is, may, may or not be real, but I impose it on them. Yeah, actually, the way that we ask people to think about it which is kind of quite accessible, is thinking about the titles and labels that convey status and power mm. in their organisations. And so people will come back, with, they may well say hierarchy. So if you're called a director, that conveys status and power. In other organisations, it won't convey status and power at all. You see, the same label conveys different understandings of authority depending on where you are and these labels include all the old classics like job title they might include gender mm. race age experience whether your headquarters or out in the regions where whether you have english as a as a first language you name it we have so many titles and labels and one of the questions we ask people is what conveys status and authority where you work? Mm. What makes people sit up and listen to certain people? It often gets a very good conversation going because we know this, you know, when we're in a meeting, we look around the room and we label one another straight away. And some of those labels mean that we're likely to listen to those people. And some of those labels mean we're likely to discount them whether we like that or not. So if I'm an individual at work and I think, oh, I recognise this, there are definitely times when I feel like I want to speak up and for various different reasons in, in my organisation or my team, I don't feel that I, I can. Where do people start to address that? One reason why people choose whether to speak up or stay silent is the consequences that they're anticipating. We know that from our research, the top two risks that people are, are afraid of is firstly being perceived negatively as a result of speaking up. And secondly, the fear of upsetting or embarrassing the other person. And we often make our choices about whether to speak up depending on our experiences in the past. So if we have had a very poor experience, even if that was 10, 20 years ago, where we spoke up and then we, you know, that we experienced some bad results of that, it will often silence us for years. And we've interviewed some people where that's been the case. And it's so distressing to hear that one event can silence somebody, mm -hmm. sometimes for decades. So our personal history and also organisational setting, you know, what happened last time someone spoke up round here? That's one of our research questions when we go into organisations. You know, we hang around the corridors and ask people, you know, so, hey, what happened last time? And you can tell an awful lot about uh, an organisation's speak-up culture and what you need to change about that through asking those questions. 
in the book, we try and pick apart these choices, which are quite complex around whether to speak up. And we use a framework, which we call the truth framework. What it does is it helps people understand why they make the choices they do and in which points might they do something differently to help them speak up. Mm. So T is for trusting their own opinion. And we know that many of us stay silent because of what we call the imposter voice or the imposter experience, that little voice in your head that goes, when are they going to find out? I don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) In the truth framework, the R stands for risks. So we very often catastrophize risks. We get caught into loops about what might happen. U is interesting. U stands for understanding. And that's all about politics. If we're going to speak up as an individual, it's really, really helpful to understand what are people's agendas Mm. around here? Really, you know, not the ones that they state to everybody, but what really matters to people and who holds power. And then our capacity to be able to navigate that and understand that is really helpful. The next T is one that I've already spoken about, and that's titles and labels. You know, how are we titling and labeling ourselves in a way that helps us to speak up? How do we title and label and come to these stories about other people and power and status that either silence us or help us speak up? And the final one is on how to. And in the book, we use a a very well-known framework, but one that's very helpful for identifying some practical tips about how to speak up. And that's the five W's. Mm. Why do you want to speak up? Who do you need to speak up to? When do you speak? Where do you speak? And what specifically do you need to say? And what sort of body language do you need to use in order that your message gets heard? Mm. And we kind of know this, but my goodness, do we forget that quite often, especially if we're trying to speak up with something that gives us a little bit of anxiety. We tend to sort of blurb it out, whereas we really need to think, you know, where is this person going to hear me best. And just a very quick anecdote. I interviewed very early on a deputy chairman in a media company. And he said to me, I learned very early on here, don't challenge the chairman in a group situation. (laughs) It doesn't end well. And then he went on to say, but when we're traveling, and when we're in a hotel, and it's just him and me, and we've had dinner, and now we're settled, and we've got a glass of wine in our hands. Ah, then I can say whatever I want and he will hear me. And that's the how-to. That's Mm. the kind of, can you step into somebody else's shoes and really understand where and when and how to do that so that they'll hear you. There's a stat that we often reference that 70% of people's engagement at work is dependent on the person they work for. And so it's the climate that the managers create is fundamental. We can't enable people to speak up if the managers aren't supportive of that. Absolutely. I mean, that is possibly one of the key messages from the research. I explain this by, you know, recent experiences, real experiences that I've had when I've had a leader come to me and say, Megan, we've got a bit of a problem. They won't speak up enough. You know, we need them to come up with more ideas or to speak up when they see unethical practice, go and sort them out, you know. (laughs) So off I go. And of course, you speak to they. And uh, what happened in a couple of instances is they literally said, last time somebody spoke up, they disappeared. 
and is exactly this point that you're talking about. You can try and fix the people. You can try and train them to be courageous and brave. And that's really important. But frankly, a complete waste of money and time unless you are working with the leaders and the managers or, or at least those that are perceived to be powerful and enabling them to create the circumstances where people can speak up safely. And we have a you know, massive blind spot or rather deaf spot around the listening up. Yeah. Speaking up does not happen, will not happen unless there is listening up that goes in relationship with it. So if I'm, if I'm listening and I'm a manager and I think, oh, right, I'm going to buy a couple of people in my team this book for people so that they're going to be able to you know, really reflect on the truth framework. But I also want to think about myself and what I can do for my team so that I am, well, I'm taking control of the climate that I'm creating for people and I'm going to invest in my ability to listen up. What would I be doing if that was kind of my intention as a great manager? The first stumbling block is that many leaders and many people that find themselves in powerful positions underestimate how intimidating they are to others. So the very first step for people is, particularly leaders, is I'm afraid to acknowledge that you are likely to not hear all the things that you think you are hearing. You are likely to think that your team is speaking up really openly to you. And if I were to talk to that team, they would probably tell me a different story. That's overwhelmingly what we found in the research. So first is to acknowledge that you might think things are slightly better than they actually are. And that's an important acknowledgement. The other thing is to, you need to really be asking the right questions. And again, we we actually use the truth framework in the book, but from the other perspective. Mm. So we ask leaders, do you trust in the value of other people's opinion? So who do you trust and why? Mm. So we work with them on that. We work with them on understanding why it can feel risky for other people to speak up to them. We work at politics from a listening up perspective. What do you get to hear and why do you get to hear that? And again, if you're going to invite people to speak up, when and where and how do you do that in a way that will really make them feel comfortable? You know, do you call a town hall meeting with 200 people, present to them for about 20 minutes, finish the PowerPoint presentation, and then clap your hands and say, right, who's got questions? And does it then surprise you that nobody puts their hand up? (laughs) Or do you choose other forums and methods? I've got one very senior civil servant who chooses to do their one-to-ones whilst doing a circuit of St. James's Park. And the quality of conversation is very different as a result. So there's these choice points that leaders can make depending on whose voices they need to hear. If you are in a position of power, even if you don't think you are, but if other people think you're in a position of power, your responses to when somebody does have the courage to speak up and the signals that you send Mm. in those moments are so important. You're in the spotlight and you may sometimes not know that it's taken somebody a week to drum up enough courage to challenge. And if you meet that challenge, because maybe it wasn't put that skillfully, because we're not all great at speaking up, are we? So perhaps that challenge comes out in the the meeting 
if you raise an eyebrow and look a little bit disappointed, actually that small act that you may not even be aware of that you're doing can silence somebody from there on in. So I'm an individual who's looked at the truth framework and I'm a manager who's really thinking about how I listen up and I've looked at truth framework for myself. How do we know that this is working? Because I'm trying to think about, well, people might not say if they can't, if they don't feel safe speaking up, they might not say that they do. So how do we know that it's making a a difference? Are there measures or tools or anything that you can use to say, this is an organisation where they have a really safe culture and people feel like they can speak up? I think my advice to managers and leaders is really think who in your network is prepared to give you feedback that you don't want to hear. I would also ask them, when was the last time you were challenged? And if you find it really hard to remember when anybody challenged you last, I would suggest that you may have a problem. I think most of the leaders that do this well that I've encountered, they have a few people who do tell them the uncomfortable truths. They enable those managers and leaders to learn. And also those managers and leaders are very good at asking for feedback in a non-scary way. You know, you can either say, have you got any feedback for me? Or you could say something like, look, it's really important to me that I enable people to speak up in this meeting that we're just going in to. Would you mind just observing me? And maybe at the end, could you tell me one thing that would make me even better Mm. at this? You know, you probably get very different conversations as a result of both of those questions. Knowing really good questions and having the people that will tell you uncomfortable truths and looking back genuinely and thinking to yourself, how much do I get challenged? Those would be three tips that I have there. So I really hope that you found that conversation with Megan interesting, that you've taken a lot away. I personally think it's such an important topic and I think uh, Megan's work and also if this is a topic that you want to get into more, particularly the last bits where we talked about the climate of safety and how managers can really cultivate and create that climate i also recommend the podcast that sarah recorded with amy edmondson because i think all of her work on psychological safety is particularly important and relevant to some of the things that uh, megan talks about as well so as i said right at the start megan's got a great ted talk and also the book itself in the description of this podcast you'll find the links to those things it will also be on amazingif.com so if you want to find out more about megan's work please do so there and thanks for listening if you're enjoying this series let us know email us we're just helen and sarah at squigglycareers.com or we'd love it if you could leave us a review that means more people find the podcast and more people can be helped with their career so we'd appreciate that if you could spare a few minutes to do it and tomorrow is the very last one of our episodes i'm going to be talking to rachel welford about the importance of self-care at work and how how we can make time for it and so hopefully that is a great topic to end with for this week of setting yourself up for success and i'll be back with you then bye everyone Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.